It is game one of the NBA Finals. And yes, the Magic are not playing in the Finals. Our season's been long over. We got the draft ahead of us, but there's still a lot we can learn. Yes, a lot we can learn and a lot of storylines involving the Orlando Magic or could involve the Orlando Magic as we get ready for the NBA Finals. We'll highlight a few of them on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 1st, 2023. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, it's game one of the NBA Finals. I made it a point to make what's going on in the NBA still a big deal and, and, and try and draw lessons. So today we're going to talk about some Magic-related storylines or some things to watch as the NBA Finals unfold. Plus... I'll make my finals prediction. I'll go on record. Freezing cold, take me if you want. I don't, I don't really care. That's 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 uh, that's part of the business. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's, for, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every it is here. The end of the road, the end of the season is finally upon us. And while the NBA doesn't stop, and obviously we are very, very, very focused on what's going to come for the Orlando Magic this month. We are 21, 22 days away from the NBA draft now. Um, the, the, the wheel never stops. We are thinking about 2024 and next season already, but... I do think it is important to see how this thing ends, to see how this this grand story of the season ends. And, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, I I agree with what Jeff Weltman said uh, toward the end of the season, that you can take lessons from success. Success is a guide to the future. Um, And and this playoffs have been really illuminating, and I think we'll make some grander statements about what we learned about the NBA from these playoffs a little bit later on and, and a little bit after the se- after the finals finally conclude. Uh, but we are sitting here getting ready for the biggest stage of basketball that there is. And we've got a really fun matchup between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat coming up. That's just going to be a lot of fun to see. And, and, and it's going to be a great battle because these, these are two great teams. Um, you know, if there's, if I could preview what I think one of the big lessons of this season is ultimately going to be, it's going to be, yes, star power matters, but so does depth. So does togetherness. So does familiarity. And I think that'll be uh, an interesting thing that the Magic contemplate as they begin to, to terraform their team a little bit now that they think they have a little bit of a future. That it isn't necessarily about going all in uh, for a star player. It's about going all in on who your team is and taking it as far as it could go. And obviously that's easier to do when you've got an MVP candidate, Nicole Jokic, when you've got a long-term, strong veteran presence like Jimmy Butler. The 
Magic don't exactly have that quite yet. However, I think I think that is the best place to start. Um, when we look at these teams, what what are the storylines? What are the things the Magic can learn, or, or what are the things that the Magic can glean from the action on the court that they're seeing? And, and honestly, I, I do think it starts with how both Denver and Miami were built, and, and, and what kind of things that they valued. Both Denver and Miami, this you know. You know, not credit to Giannis, but Giannis articulated really well the journey that all these great teams are on. It's never a one-year journey. You know, Mike Malone, I think, has been really good about this and uh, talking about how Denver finally got to the finals. This, this is the Nuggets franchise's first NBA finals. They did win a few ABA titles and go to a few ABA championships back in their day. Um, but this is their first NBA finals. And he said, you know, this, this isn't just about this year's team. This is about all the play, all the people who put this team together four or five years ago. Um, it's about Gary Harris, you know, who the, who the Nuggets traded to get Aaron Gordon. It's about the failure in the 2020 uh, Western Conference Finals. It's about going through the struggles of Jamal Murray's knee injury and, and taking a step back and, and, and everyone wondering if this team really did have championship medal. And, and that's, that's the true. I mean, I doubted it too, a little bit, but that's the truism. You don't know if you're a title team until you're a title team, until you are in that moment. And, you know, everyone I think had these questions about whether Denver could overcome a team like Phoenix that has been to a finals um, with star, with the star talent that they have. Um, if they could, you know, if they got to Golden State, could have overcome Golden State, could have overcome the Lakers who beat them two years ago in the Western Conference Finals to win that championship in in the bubble in Orlando at Disney. Um, it's a journey. And what's really interesting about both Denver and Miami is that this has truly been a multi-year journey to get to this point. It has truly been a lesson in team building, committing to an identity, committing to the player you want to build around and finding ways to just make those players better. It's a testament to the great coaching and, and, and do not take anything away from the, from the job that Mike Malone and Eric Spolster have done. This These are two of the best coaches in the NBA right now and they're going to have a fantastic series. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of questions and and obviously, there's a lot. Uh, we'll get into the prediction uh, to my prediction a little bit later on. But these are teams that were built organically, and 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 I I personally don't care if you build a team through free agency. I don't think that makes a championship lesser than championships are championships. They're really really hard to win. Only one team gets a championship at the end of the year. Only one team gets to lift the Obi, um, the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Um, it's really hard. And if it were easy, everyone would do it every year. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, and to get to this point, to see two teams that have been on this multi-year journey, that had moments where perhaps they wavered, had moments where they made difficult choices to add to the team, not reshape it. That's, that's really kind of a beautiful thing. That's really kind of a kind of an interesting and, and honestly inspiring thing. When we look at this Magic team 
and, and what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do. Look, everyone's trying to build a culture like the Heat have, where you could just plug and play players in, where you draft so incredibly, you have such a deep understanding of the things and the skills and the people that you value, that it doesn't matter where you're drafting. It doesn't even matter if you're drafting. You're going to find players who make everything work. You're going to find players who just fit. Like, that's... The the Miami Heat, as much as it pains me to say this as a Magic guy, the Miami Heat are the model franchise in the league. Every team should aspire to be the Miami Heat. What, What Pat Riley has built there in the last two decades, outside of San Antonio are probably the most consistent, like self-fulfilling, self-creating franchise in the entire league. Everyone should be trying to figure out how can we be them. And, and some of it is Pat Riley is just the, probably one of the smartest basketball executives that this league has ever seen. A lot of it is Pat Riley is just one of the best judges of people and the kind of people that he wants uh, in the league. Um, Eric Spolstra is someone that... You know, as, as as everyone knows, started in the video room in '97 or whatever it was. Um, just someone who gets that culture deeply. And look, Miami, Miami had a choice. Like, and, and, and it was probably a little more complicated than this. But LeBron was tiring of Eric Spolstra, and Miami said, "No, we are bigger than any one player. Our franchise, our organization, our culture is bigger than any player." And they told LeBron, Spolster's our coach. You either like it or you don't. That's the kind of power and confidence that you want as an organization. That you could tell the best player in the world. And yeah, LeBron was probably going back to Cleveland and, and was itching to go back to Cleveland. But Miami demands a lot of their players. And everyone's trying to build something like that. So you look at the way Denver built. Nikola Jokic was was draft was taken in the draft. Jamal Murray was taken what fifteenth in the draft. They traded they traded up to get him. If I'm not mistaken, oh, no, that was Donovan Mitchell. Never mind. Um, Jamal Murray was taken fairly late in the lottery, if not outside of the lottery. They took a chance on Michael Porter Jr. They added Aaron Gordon to their mix because you know because they understood there was a need. They felt they could they could cover it, and then they filled in that bench with solid veterans. They grabbed Contavious Caldwell Pope in a trade for Monte Morris. This is how you build. You do it through great drafting, which I think the Magic have been okay. I think they've devalued second-round picks, which I don't think you could do uh, and and be sustainably successful in in, in market like Orlando. So we'll see if what they do with 36. I have not done my deep dives on 36, everyone, so we'll, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later uh, in the draft process. Um, this is a Magic team. That is, try, that, that, that is trying to take from what these teams have successfully. If you criticize Jeff Weltman, which maybe we should, for standing pat too much, well, some of it is got to build the familiarity. Rhythm, does rhythm, familiarity, camaraderie doesn't come after just one year. And constant change, well, change is necessary, constant change, uh, major change, can be really damaging to a team. And so if it feels weird sometimes that the Magic stick with what they have, it's because they know it's still growing. It's not ready to sprout. It's, it, it's, it, it needs some stuff to, 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 to add to it, of course. But, there's, but they're still building their culture. 
And if there is are two models for how patients can be successful, and obviously, like, look, Nikola Jokic is an MVP. He's one of the best players in the league. Jimmy Butler is, an, is just a monster in the playoffs and just rises to the occasion. He's been doing that for years. Slow and steady does win this race. At least occasionally it does. And both the Nuggets and Heat are really good models of how teams should build themselves and how teams can not only be perennial contenders, but get themselves to this point where they're playing in the NBA Finals. Of course, it's not just about team building. NBA Finals teams are also thinking a little bit about the future. We'll talk about free agents. The Magic may target off these teams to get that championship experience. I don't think there's a horse grant out there for them right now, but uh, who the Magic might target off these teams in free agency because I do think they will target a few players. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel offers great promotions every day. They are a safe and secure app, and you can get paid instantly off your wagers. There's no better place for to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So obviously, you know, we could talk about all this grandiose things about player to, about team building, but at the end of the day, you got to add the players to make it work. And we know where the Magic are sitting right now. The Magic have two first two lottery picks coming up in the draft. They have a really nice young core. I would argue their biggest, you know, their biggest need this summer. It's not shooting, although it is shooting. Um, it's not a skill. It's just depth. It's just having an eight, nine-man rotation, maybe even a 10-man rotation, that they can rely on for consistency. And, and look, this is a young team. Young teams are not consistent. Young teams go through ups and downs. They're being led right now by a rookie and a second-year player. It's it's not going to be smooth sailing. I, I don't anticipate next season is going to be some amazing 55-win season. If it could be, if it could be a 42, if it could be a 42, 43, 44-win season we're going to have some ups and downs in the process. You know, honestly, what was probably most encouraging as well as discouraging about last year was that the magic after their bad start, of course, just kind of treaded water. Um, it was like, okay, they're, they're consistent enough that they're going to, they're going to give themselves a chance to win most nights, but they're not consistent enough that they're going to win three, four, five games in a row. Um, I think the magic had just one three game winning streak after the six-game winning streak in December. They also didn't have a three-game losing streak until March um, after that December. So that's consistency, but that's also inconsistency. Um, undoubtedly, the Magic have to add to this roster. Um, and and we haven't, we've talked a little bit about free agency and some of the targets, but there are a lot of players I think the Magic are going to target in, in free agency 
uh, in this upcoming uh, in this upcoming NBA Finals. And so I just want to highlight a few of these players and, and talk a little bit about them. Um, you know, first, the Magic are expected to have somewhere between $23 and $25 million in cap room. They, they are likely to keep Gary Harris, which eats into a little bit of their room. Um, there, there are a few players as well that they're likely to keep. I'm still 50-50 on Bull Bull. Um, I, I think they ultimately do keep him. It, it doesn't sound like, from everything I've heard, everything I've read, just my sense of what this team is trying to accomplish this offseason, I, I would not expect the Magic to be major players in free agency. I, I don't think they're chasing after Fred Van Vliet. I know there's some fresh rumors out there on the internets um, saying that the Magic could chase after Fred Van Vliet. I don't see them making a big trade, uh, you know, just a kind of earth-shattering trade. Um, I've seen some people uh, repitching a Jordan Poole trade. I think it's been like Jordan Poole uh, for Cole Anthony, Jonathan Isaac, and then the Magic Warriors swap um, first-round picks. I- I'm not super keen on that one either. Um, I-, I don't. I just. I don't think the Magic won. I think. I think the goal for the Magic this offseason is to add to this roster, go through the draft and free agency, but to maintain financial flexibility. Um, I think the Magic still want to be able to go out and make trades if one pops up, um, but then play free agency again next summer. And next summer is probably the last summer that they're going to have a lot of cap room to spend because Cole Anthony's doing extension. Markel Fultz is doing extension. I think think the Magic will get a deal done with one of them. If I had to bet between one, it's Markel. I'd like to see them get one done with both and just get it out of the way. I think both have earned extensions and earned opportunities to stay with this team. And as I've said numerous times, it's not necessarily about the player earning that contract. It's the salary slot. So you can make trades in the future. Um, it's there's a lot that the magic are going to work on this offseason. but there are free agents to watch here in the NBA finals that I do think are in the magic's price range and players, the magic will chase after. And, and, and the place to start, uh, let's start with the Miami heat, the Miami heat, have a couple of players that have a couple of players that you should be keeping keeping an eye on and 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 having an idea of who they are. And of course, now my, my website just went out. Um, the first guy is Max Struess. Uh, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are the guys I think you you keep an eye on. Um, they're they're both going to be do, you know they're both coming off of deals where they are on like non-guaranteed deals, those like second round deals, um, because the Heat found them kind of off the scrap heap. And so, you know, Miami isn't super capped out. I think the Miami has a little bit of money to spend. So I think they'll be able to potentially retain some of those players. But at the same time, at the same time, um, these are also guys that could get a little bit more. That could get contracts into the into the mid level mid level uh, uh, exception range, like eight, nine, maybe even ten million dollars. Um, Vincent is obviously a, a really good kind of smaller guard. Play, you know, great three point shooter. Struess also a solid three point shooter. These guys though fit really well into Miami's system and Miami's Miami's identity. And and you know they've had their ups and downs this year. They've been in and out of the rotation, but they've stepped. They both stepped up in big ways uh, in the playoffs. You know, Struess could play both forward positions. Um, I think he got to cover a little bit for him defensively, but he's he tries hard on that end, and he's he's just such a good three point shooter. And you know, you focus on those guys because they are three point shooters, and because they are gettable. It's the same deal with I think one of my favorite guys, a guy that I had 
the Magic targeting last year too, and Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown signed a two-year $13.3 million contract. He has a $6.8 million player exception for this year. Early bird rights for Denver are at about $8.4 million. So if, if Orlando wants to get him, because Denver is over the cap, um, you know, they're paying 46, they're going to be paying $47 million to Jokic, 34 to Jamal Murray, uh, 33 to Michael Porter, 22 to Aaron Gordon, and then 14-7 to Contavious Caldwell-Pope. That, all their money is concentrated on those top guys. They really like Christian Brown. I think they want to open up some, some avenues for Christian Brown to play. Bruce Brown Jr. is going to be available because he's going to decline that player option. Denver, because they're so far over the cap, can only offer him, I think, eight and a half, nine million dollars um, to, to, to keep his bird rights and go over the over the cap to sign him. So if you come in with a $10 million deal, let's say you come in two years 25 or, or three years, three years 30, um, you'll be able to grab him. Now, are, are you willing to pay $10 million for Bruce Brown? He's played really well this postseason. He's shown that he can play some point guard. Nuggets have used him essentially as a backup point guard for a lot for a lot of time. And with the Magic's kind of bigger wings, you can handle the ball. As long as Brown can bring the ball up the floor uh, against pressure, that could be a role that he plays in Orlando. He is a solid shooter, but he's not exclusively a shooter. He cuts really well along the baselines. He defends really, really well. Um, I, I've been a big fan of Bruce Brown Jr. I thought that the Magic should have got after him last summer in free agency when he signed with the Nuggets. He's due for a big raise. This He's due for a big raise. Would not surprise me if he gets a contract up in the $12, $12 million. Again, two two for 25. Sounds very possible for him. Uh, again, like maybe three for 33, three for 34. Also potentially in the running for him. Um, you know, the Magic are very good at structuring their contracts, but those three players specifically in this finals are guys that made a lot of money. Um, I don't think Orlando will be the only team trying to get Bruce Brown or Gabe Vincent or Max Drews. I think those guys will have very, very robust markets um, in this free agency. Um, again, some of it is going to be limited. Like, okay, if if I come in with an offer at 9.5, Denver can probably match that. Denver can still kind of bring him back on that. Um, if that's what they want to do. There are not a lot of teams that have cap room, but there are, but there are some. And, and they're all going to be vying for these guys. But... I really like Bruce Brown. I think he's a guy the Magic should chase after, even if they even if they they add a guard in the draft. Um, again, my big thing in free agency this year is the Magic have to find a veteran backup center. I, I'm a big believer that the Magic have to find a veteran backup center. I don't think the Magic should pay 15, 16, 17 million dollars for Nas Reed, but if he's the best option, maybe you do do that because you know I I, I, I keep saying this: Wendell Carter is going to miss 15 to 20 games a year. Like that's that's just how it's going to be with Wendell Carter. And look, one year he's going to play 80, and we're going to be really happy. But you got to cover yourself because every he has. I don't think he's played more than uh, 60 games um, or 65 games in any in any year of his of his career. So um, I I do think you have to be ready to cover for Wendell Carter, and so you do need to start a quality backup center. I think that's where the Magic should focus their free agency uh, attention. We'll talk about that later on. Those are the free agents to watch in this year's NBA Finals. It's time to make a prediction. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. So, NBA Finals prediction time. I'll put myself on record. I don't care. Um, I, I'm wrong all the time. Uh, I, I don't mind being wrong. I like being proven wrong because it, it helps me learn. Um, but 
this is going to be a really interesting NBA Finals um, because Miami Miami's earned their way here. Um, they have they're they're so good at finding your mistakes and just filling in the cracks, and, and eventually they fill in those cracks enough that they break your foundation. Look, Milwaukee. I don't want to say Milwaukee necessarily wins that series if Giannis is healthy, but Giannis's injury affected that series. But Miami has always been a tough matchup for Milwaukee because they fill in those cracks. Um, I talked about it on the line of Magic Daily for my playoff lessons. The Bucks' lack of flexibility in their system and, and their identity, that costs them in the playoffs against a team like Miami. Miami makes you adjust. Miami makes you really understand who you are. And makes you play that way perfectly. Look, everyone's been saying it throughout these playoffs, and it is true. Miami is going to get out-talented. But they are not going to get outworked, And that is dangerous. That makes any team dangerous. And Spolstra is such a smart coach, and they have players capable of winning games. At the end of the day, like... Miami's whole season this year, and again, this goes back to what I say about clutch games. Don't rely on clutch games to to win. It's not a formula for success. Good teams don't win close games. They avoid them. Miami was a 500 team because their strategy was essentially, we will keep the game close, and then we we will bet that we will win that coin flip more often than not. Just look at how they played against Miami in three of the four, in the first three games before the season finale. Orlando was up bit was up fairly big. Miami just kept grinding and clawing back. They made those games close. And they, you know, certainly against an Orlando team that doesn't have experience, they bet they could win those games. They bet Jimmy Butler could, could bring them home. Miami's bet is that their level of effort is so consistent and their identity is so set that they will give themselves a chance and they will take a coin flip. They have won that coin flip almost every time this play, this postseason. And again, that makes them dangerous. Like I said, Miami, Miami is very much about cracking your foundation. Like you give them an inch, they're taking it. You cannot make mistakes against them. They kill you in transition. They kill you with ball pressure. They have guys you could switch one through five, and they will just eat, eat you up if you can't break it. Milwaukee didn't have the flexibility offensively. So much revolved around Giannis. Chris Middleton's a step slower. They, they can't do anything but drop with Brooke Lopez, even though he is such a great defender. And Miami was still able to attack it. Um, you know, New York. New York just, you know, New York, they're just better than New York. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think there's, I don't think it was that much of an upset that Miami beat New York. Um, sorry, Knicks fans. Um, Boston. Boston is just a team that gets in its own way. Every time Boston got in its own way, they settled for threes. They made they they made turnovers. Miami took that inch and ran with it. Now the question is, will Miami be able to do this to Denver? Because Denver does not make these mistakes. Yeah, they might turn the ball over a little bit. But they're a team that punishes you for your mistakes too because Nikola Jokic is such a skilled passer 
is such a skilled shot maker and, and Jamal Murray is playing at such a high level, it's hard to find a flaw in this team. They have guys from multiple areas who can beat you. And Nikola Jokic is, again, such a great passer and such a great player that he will pass these guys open. He will get Michael Porter shots if you leave him open. He will get Contavious Caldwell-Pope shots if he, if, if he, you leave him open. They're not going to make a ton of mistakes. If anything, this game, this this series is going to come down to turnovers. Like a lot of it's going to come down to turnovers. Um, and then it's going to come down to how Miami tries to attack Jokic. Because Bam Adebayo has been inconsistent this series, but they can hide him a little bit. If they want to run Adebayo at the high post, Jokic is perfectly fine defending out there um, and, 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 and keeping him in front. Um, I don't think this is a good matchup for Miami. I think the Cinderella story is about to end, and I honestly think it's about to end in a pretty... I don't want to say, I don't want to say like a blowout fashion. I think this is a hard five. I have nuggets in a hard five. What do I mean by a hard five? Um, Magic Lakers was a hard five. Um, uh, a hard five to me is essentially every game is tough. There's a game somewhere that that flips um, on a on a close shot or, or late game basket. Um, it's not a blowout. Like, I, like I, I think this is going to be a tough series. I think Denver's going to struggle. Uh, Miami's going to get into Denver physically in a way that maybe they haven't been been dealt with so far. But this Nuggets team, just like that Miami team, fights every moment. They take advantage of mistakes, and they have the best player on the floor. Like, plain and simple. They, you know, I think, I think what Miami is going to do is they know that Jokic is going to be Jokic. They're going to try and force Aaron Gordon to be the one that beats them. If I were, if I were playing this out, you know, Jamal Murray is the guy that scares me because if he has the series that he had against the Lakers, this game, this one's going to be over quick. And so, if I'm Miami, I'm doing everything I can to take the ball out of Yoke, out of Murray's hands. I'm not so concerned about Jokic. Jokic is going to do Jokic things, but if I'm Miami, I'm blitzing Jamal Murray on every screen. Um, I am, I am hugging him and, and making sure he doesn't get off from three. Uh, and if Miami can limit their turnovers, that, that takes away the transition. The guy I'm leaving is Aaron, like no offense, AG, we love you here. The guy I'm leaving, the guy I want to beat me is Aaron Gordon. If Aaron Gordon can get 20 in a game, that's a game I'm fine losing. I want Aaron Gordon shooting threes. Uh, you know, obviously Jokic is really good at finding cutters, so you can't completely leave him open. But I'm clogging that paint, and I'm trying to turn Denver into a three-point shooting team. Because, you know, one thing I forgot to mention, models of team building, Miami was 10th in the league in three-point field goal attempts per game. Denver was 25th. Now, we've talked a lot on here about volume three-point shooting, but you don't need to take a lot of threes. You just need to make them. <laughs> and so if if... Miami can get Denver to settle for threes, to fall in love with that trap. That's their path to win. That's their path to winning in this series. Because Denver's the better team. And, you know, unlike, you know, unlike the teams that Miami's faced already this postseason, they're not based on isolation play. You can't load up on Jason, on Jason Tate, on a team, on a, on this team like you can't could with Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You can't load up on this team. Uh, the way that that New York does with 
Julius Randle, and to some extent, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson runs a little bit more pick and roll. You can't load up on this team the way that you can against Giannis and Middleton. This is a team that moves, they cut, they pass, and they do it really, really well. So I'm taking Nuggets in five in this series. I think Denver's, I think Miami's going to be, be tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here. I'm not here to say that, that, that Miami's not going to make it competitive, that these games are going to be competitive. But Denver's really, really good. And Denver, I think, does a lot of things that this Miami team is not built to stop. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in him on Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of the based on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic for my everyday crew, we truly appreciate you all for listening every day, if you do. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to chat about Game 1 of the NBA Finals, of course, toward the end of the show. We're also going to talk about the Thompson Twins. It's time. We got we to gotta talk about Amen and Asar Thompson, what they bring to the table, and the risk they bring to the Orlando Magic. We'll talk about them on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.